Hello there and welcome to episode 46 of the Hawthorns Debate Club. My name is Jamie Clay and I am joined every week by two gentlemen to have a few conversations and discussions about West Bromwich Albion. So let me start by saying a warm hello to my good friend Alex Collins. Hello. And hello to my little brother Joe Clay. Hello. So that's it. It's finally confirmed. The inevitable has come to pass. The season is now confirmed as both mathematically dead and mathematically buried. And all that remains is the formality of completing our fixtures with an utterly meaningless pantomime contest against Barnsley between what I imagine will be two sets of players who will be in all likelihood thinking about Sangria and Factor 40. So let's hit that somber music, red eyes and tears because here lies the 2021-22 season in all its infamy, gone and I very much hope forgotten. Erased from memory like Arnold Schwarzenegger's mind in total recall, a repressed former life that will haunt us, but we will never go back to. You see, if you'd asked me at the beginning of the season when I thought the podcast on the final week of the season would be like, I would have probably said we were on the verge of a mouth-watering contest between old money Valball and new money heart attack Valball. It seemed like it was written in the stars. Val returning to his former side in a match that may have been a coronation with the highest stakes. But instead, like the rest of this season, it will be boring, drab, meaningless affair with Val absent physically and the players absent emotionally. So I guess the question is, is there any point? But before we get to that heart-wrenching question, let me say a huge thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast. And all we ask is that you continue to do what you've done for the whole of this season through thick and thin is to just keep telling other people about the podcast. If you've got Albion mates, don't keep this as your little secret. I know it's lovely that it's just us and it's cozy and it's warm and it's friendly, but do the right thing. Be generous, share your love with your friends by spreading the word about this wonderful West Bromwich Albion podcast. And if you've got time, we have noticed that people have been leaving us reviews, five-star reviews. We've read some lovely ones, and over the coming weeks, perhaps in the like the when the season finishes officially, we'll share some of the lovely reviews we've had because they are very, very nice. Uh, if you've got time, you can write one. But if you want to just give us a five-star review, we're very, 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 very happy to receive them, and we like counting them. So, thank you if you've done that already. If you haven't done it feel free to pause the podcast and set about writing a beautiful review. So on this week's podcast, we will be talking very, very, very briefly about our trip to Reading. Not really much to talk about, really, in terms of the actual game itself. Probably the thing that stands out to me most above all is the fact that we have Albion fans that are so diehard they're willing to travel to even watch that game. Probably stood out to me more than absolutely anything else did at all. And because this has been a season which has lacked a certain inspiration, a certain 
creativity, a certain flow. We've done the very uncreative thing, but I think which will be exciting nonetheless of petitioning you for listener questions. So we've got a mailbag, we've got questions that have come in through the Instagram, and we're going to set about answering a lot of those questions, if not all of them. If we get time, we'll try and get to as many as we can before we maybe, maybe, maybe give a prediction for our final game of the season against Barnsley. So West Brom played our final away game of the season. It finished 1-0. Carlin Grant scoring the winner late into the second half. Callum Robinson providing for another Carlin Grant goal. Well-taken goal. Really tied a bit of footwork before firing it low past the keeper after a really atypical Albion build-up play with lots of quick, incisive transitional passes and Carlin Grant gathering it and shifting a defender or two around before taking aim. But overall, I think... Again, this performance follows the same blueprint of many other Albion performances this season. Lacked a lot of creativity, a lot of quality. Some notable debutants included Zach Ashworth from the under-23s. Let me hand this one across to you guys. What did you make of the game against Reading? For me, the performance was subpar. Again, I think the main highlight of the game was seeing bananas and pyjamas in the crowd. The players should look at those fans who've travelled all the way down to Reading, not an easy journey, and just given it all they got and had fun with it. And I think the players should see that and look at themselves after this season. Yeah, it looked like uh, an absolutely fantastic atmosphere. It looked electric. I would say, though, I know it was the penultimate game of the season. There wasn't very much to play for. Both teams were safe. I've been watching the game. I thought we should have absolutely smashed a team like Reading. They weren't very good at all. Take away 1-0, yeah, it's three points to win. Sent the fans home singing and happy. But realistically, we should be taking those types of teams to the, the cleaners. And I, I don't want to be a negative Nelly, but I think it needs to be said. Yeah, I think it's a season of unfulfilled expectations, isn't it? That's the storyline of so many games this season that we expected. Albion to pick up points to steamroller teams but in reality we've struggled all season can all of the same problems and it, it doesn't bear repeating them all again I guess because effectively you can put on any podcast from the last three months that we've recorded or any podcast or any conversation between Albion fans and you'll hear the same thing the same problems espoused I think that the goal was encouraging Callum Robinson and Carlin Grant their link up is something of a positive this season I know there's a little bit of a divided opinion about Carlin Grant and Callum Robinson among the fan base but the one thing you can't deny about the two of them is that they have contributed goal-wise and assist-wise particularly for one another and I think that their combination was really fruitful and I just think the way Callum Robinson came on late in that game when it was about what five or six minutes after his introduction that the goal was scored I really do think that it was probably one of the singular moments of quality I've seen in recent weeks with the Albion. Yeah, I tend to agree. I just think it just shows if we put any player who's got a bit of attacking nous to them. And Callum Robbins not a full-out striker, can be a winger, can be attacking midfielder. But putting him in that position, it just shows this one pass can change the game. And a bit of quality against a poor, below-average red inside is all it needed. And we didn't have that on. And we haven't had it all season, really, have we? No, I think if there's any lesson to take away from the season that we've just been put through, it's that we miss Pereira and we need that creative spark because without it, it just makes for a dull affair. 
I mean, the defence realistically hasn't done that bad this season. It's just the lack of goals. And I wouldn't say it's a lack of firepower either. Because like Grant, as you say, Jamie's been banking the goals in. But no creativity. There's no one else providing goals or support. I mean, you could say Callum Robinson is. But I don't know. It just For me, it just lacks that kind of midfield maestro. Like a bit of a wizard in the middle. Magician, so to speak, pulling the strings. I think that's what Pereira did. And I think a lot of people have been talking about over the last few weeks is how perhaps a lot of the players that are in the current or around the current Stein 11 flattered to deceive maybe they were radically improved by playing in the same team as Mateus Pereira. Because the reality of it is, is Mateus Pereira, I believe, was a standout premiership player in a relegation side who were comfortably relegated, playing in a Sam Allardyce approach to football, a lot of the time out of position. And he still had more goal involvements than Jack Grealish in a season, who was a hundred million pound player in that summer. So for me, I do think playing with Pereira has got to be easier than playing not with Pereira, if you get me. And I think a lot of these players like your Dean Garner's, your Robinson's and that collective there, they're not going to have as much time on the ball. They're not going to have the kind of quality of pass or like that Brazilian Samba flair to play around with. And I think you're absolutely right, Alex. We've really noticed the void and the vacuum left by Pereira. And again, I, I, not just to start jumping on a playing the blame game because we've been all been here and the guy bit the bullet. But I believe whatever you might say about the lack of backing of Valerian Ishmael in the summer and his the recruitment and whatnot, he made a conscious decision to forfeit creative individual talent. One one thing I think, Jamie, I want to say is his soul. He took away soul. Yeah, like, like that that part of you that switches on a YouTube compilation of videos of football goals. That part, that magic, the thing that Messi does where his feet are magical, and you just you're it's awe inspiring football. And he he swapped that for industry and grit. Which don't get me wrong, you need it on the football pitch for every one of those beautiful Barcelona teams. You've got Sergio Busquets for every Mohamed Salah. You've got Jordan Henderson, and there's always your players that were ready to do the hard yards when all of the other players were doing all the tricks and flicks. You do need that balance, which I know you, Alex, is something that you've spoken about an awful lot over the past few months. But Valerian Ishmael just tilted the scales completely towards this perspiration and endeavour because he believes so full-heartedly in his own system and his own philosophy that he didn't think we needed individual creative talent on the pitch and if there's ever been a season that's advertised to me that having brilliant players is never a bad thing (laughs) it's this one creativity but that's what we need did someone say creativity but you talk to creativity but joe jamie it's brilliant when you talk to yourself (laughs) (laughs) creativity but how would you have solved our midfield crisis this season Creativity Bot would have provided assists from deep-lying midfield positions as well as from the width of the pitch. He is also a dead ball specialist and would have provided opportunities from corner kicks. Gosh, that's quite the repertoire you've got there, Creativity Bot. Are you available for transfer this season? Have you gone with Valerian Ishmael? Did he pack you up in his suitcase and take you with him? Valerian Ishmael, error. Error, Valerian Ishmael does not compute. Who is Valerian Ishmael? Roger, Roger. 
creativity block is lost. He is locked in a cupboard at the training ground. Creativity block cannot escape. Help me. Help me. That's a desperate plea there, Creativity Bart. We are limited as to how we can help you, but we'll put the word out there to all of the listeners of this podcast that you are in danger. Um, You haven't been abducted by Valerian Ishmael, but you are very much being held prisoner at the training ground, which makes sense, really, because I do feel like Creativity Bart's, you don't see any influence of him in the way we played. The one person that kind of drew a lot of comment was Zach Ashworth he made his debut what did you guys make of him he looked decent I don't think he did anything untowards but he didn't do anything towards if you know what I mean so he was just all right I think which is good I suppose that's what you want as a defender you don't want a defender to make a headline really do you yeah, I totally agree. I think it's good for a squad player at the moment. He may get some more time on the pitch, maybe against Barnsley. You might see a bit more quality from him starting, maybe. But yeah, it's good to see some of the youngsters coming through. Shame it's a defender and not an attacking midfielder, but you know, can't have everything, can we? Yeah, I think I agree with you guys. I don't think he stood out to me in any particular ways, but I think that's perhaps a good quality in a youngster. I think those ones that are well beaters that are suddenly are electric and change the shape and the landscape of the team are rare aren't they that and they tend to have emerged well before this in a season so i think for him to come on get some minutes not put a foot wrong just really steady play kevin castro obviously played as well and he was similar none of the kind of errors in his play that marred his debut but i do think yeah i think it's it's nice to see the youngsters i did think the conversation that johnny jury and joe massey on the baggage broadcast had was interesting about the quality of the under 23s is something that we've spoken about in the past the gulf between the senior squad and the under 23s like when people in the stands groaning when Adam Reach fires the ball out through the back of the 18-yard box for a goal kick rather than an incisive in-swinger. But the reality of it is that he is far better than his under-23 counterpart. And they were saying, and I didn't really know this, but they were talking about Jovan Malcolm. He's one of the kind of hot prospects along with Reyes Cleary. Um, And his struggles when he went to non-league Accrington And the point that Joe Massey made, and I think it's a point very well made, is to say Albion fans are always crying out for us to blood the youngsters, get the under-23s in. But if you were to say, get a player who struggled in the conference in, you'd be like, well, no, we don't want him. We want someone of quality. But that's the reality of where these players are finding their level and struggling. Still, it highlights how far they've got to progress before they are ready for the senior team. Yeah, I think people are realising that now. It's just irritation, I suppose, from the performances recently and the players' heart that we see on the pitch and no attacking now. So I think people are just getting a bit irritated about that. And the only thing we can do to get any spark is use youngsters because we can't sign anybody at the moment. And I think that's what it is. But I think people are realising the gulf in class between the likes of Adam Reach and one of the youngsters. Yeah, I totally agree, Joe. I think 
the fans were looking for an exit plan to get out of the misery and they're looking at all the different options and one of the options to call on is you know have we got any youngsters that we're not giving any game time so look at what resources we've already got within the club can we utilize any of these players you know to turn our fortunes around so I think it was more of a, a cry for help you know if your team's playing well you don't say we need to play youngsters do you you just you know you're just happy that your team's winning and playing well I quite like the look of Castro I've got to admit I think once he gets a bit of fitness and a bit of tougher I think he'll be a really good prospect really good player you do have players that mature late and I think we've got some of those players probably get a bit of muscle on them you know get them in a gym with the first team and you hear about this like I was watching the Brian Robson documentary on Amazon really good watch and uh, when he was at the Albion, bloody boy, he was a brilliant player, obviously. He went to Man United, and the first thing that Ron Atkinson did was put him on Guinness and steak to bulk him out because he was too weak. Some of our players probably need to be on that diet. But going back to the youth, I believe, you know, like this Tim Rangabum, probably butchered his surname, he started for Villa, didn't he, on the weekend? So if they're really good... I think the Premiership team's come in for him. I don't think we have a chance of having them play in our first team. So we need the players that mature late. And that's the way it will happen for the Albion, I think. Until we can pick crop from the lower leagues, then that's it. As Tupac would say, that's just the way it is. A fantastic conversation that I definitely, definitely listen to there, guys. That's brilliant. And I'm sure, dear listeners, you feel more informed than you did previously. Right, so shall we get to some listener questions? The mail that has come in, open up the envelopes and pour out the contents from within. Should we say it like that? It feels like stepping back in time. These questions have been hand-delivered by what some sort of medieval post service. I would call Aging it carrier. mail. Say it not at the same time. <laughs> I would call it fan mail. (laughs) (laughs) Beautifully done, guys. Well done. That's how uh, comedy works best when it's completely ineligible. Yeah, some sort of medieval jousting pigeon fan mail. Right, let's open up the first envelope then. Just getting my letter knife out now and tearing open. Oh, gosh, I don't even need to do this in production now alex is doing live sound effects for us that's brilliant oh that was it that was it that's i've opened it now we're in and the first one comes from c cook 92 who had a few little interactions with on instagram and he asked the question that forms a lot of the conversation around social media at the moment around a certain player and the question is this is carlin grant any good and like I said, I think this one comes off the back of a lot of discussion about Carlin Grant, his involvements. We've had this discussion on this podcast, heated debate about Carlin Grant, if he's any good or not. So let's, let's answer C. Cook 92's question. Is he any good? I do think he is. Personally, I think, like we've mentioned previously in the podcast, with an attacking midfielder, I think it would bring out his better qualities. Don't think he's there to win the ball in the air. He's not there to take on players. I think he's there as a poacher. And I think, as we've seen from the goal in Reading, when he's in the box, he is lethal. I think he's had an all right season for a bad team. So I think we should be singing his praises, really, this season. I know people say he doesn't do much in the game, but he's a striker and he scored his goals, that he's scored the most goals in the team and he's a striker. So I think we should be applauding him. I'm going to say 
knowingness, which is a hybrid of the words no and yes. Mm. I just think that although he scores the goals and he sets up a few, I just think that it doesn't contribute enough. And I think he was a luxury this season that we couldn't afford. I mean, yeah, fair enough. Just focus on getting the goals and stuff. If, you know, the rest of the team is sort of putting enough hard work in to cover your hard work, but they weren't. And I, I don't think he had a plan B. I think he was quite selfish at times, which I know as a striker, it's a good trait to have. But I felt like we didn't need that trait for large parts of the season we needed somebody with a good attitude somebody to chase back and you know really do the right things and build the right atmosphere in the club I just don't think he did that so to sum that up I think in terms of production I would say thumbs up but in terms of how he does that questionable so he does the what but not the how I mean me and you have gone backwards and forwards on this one Alex I am massively in favour of Carlin Grant. I think he's a really talented player. He's fast, he's strong, he scores goals. Statistically speaking, he scored 16 goals and five assists. Fans are kind of being really critical of Carlin Grant when he scored 16 goals and got us five assists. But when he was coming from Huddersfield and had 19 goals and four assists, we were desperate to get him the club for it and to break records in terms of transfer fee to get him into the club. And he's basically replicated that form in by your own omission there, Alex. What is completely an imbalanced and incomplete squad. He's had to do a lot of that himself or via Callum Robinson. And the question I've got about Carlin Grant is, what is the expectation that your goal scorer should be doing that he isn't doing? Is he meant to be like defending set pieces? Is he meant to be tracking back and tackling in central midfield? Because then the criticism very easily becomes is, well, he's never in the position to score goals because he's always in his own half. Do you know what I mean? I feel like he's damned if he does and he's damned if he don't because effectively his job is to be on the last defender ready to run in behind or to receive the ball in threatening positions. And if he's having to juggle defensive responsibilities, it's not the best use of your main goal scoring threat on the pitch, in my opinion. I mean, I totally see where you're coming from and it's a very strong argument. But I do think, for me, like the how is very important, just for the harmony of the team. I think he has impacted it this season. Perhaps I'm putting too much stock in the, in the how. Like it's almost like the corporate responsibility. I just think he lacks it, but he's, he's producing something. I think if we had like a creative player in the team, I'd be happy for him to, to do it. But it would have been nice for him to provide some more creativity, work harder rather than just score. I know that sounds like really like weird. It feels weird saying it, but I just feel as though he, he could offer more. I, I think for me, the issue that I have is do Albion need another player this season that was just working harder? I think we had players that were working as hard as they can, but were in a flawed system that was nullifying any kind of creative impetus in all of the players. And it just seems odd to me that Carlin Grant has then been singled out as being the one who wasn't responsible for creative. Oh. What I would say to that, Jamie, I think he could have worked harder to be more creative. But well, why and not to be all fair, the other how, players? How many, he scored, how many goals? Is it 15 or 16 goals? 16, yeah. But, you know, he could have easily scored 25 plus this season. I just, I, I think he, he can do more. I think the reason he hasn't done that is for the exact reasons that you've said 
that there was no creative players in the team and to expect that one player out of a team of 11 who is actually the leading goal scorer and one of the main assists to have done even more than that whilst acknowledging that there's no one else in the team even remotely close to doing that I think that's that's the biggest defence of Carlin Grant this season. He's had to do all of this in spite of no creative players in the team. And if you put Harry Wilson in there, I think his goal total is higher. Because I don't care how many interceptions or tackles Carlin Grant gets in the game. I really don't. And I genuinely think if you could go back in time and just rub out him laughing after us losing to Blues, which rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way, I think the kind of narrative around Carlin Grant disappears. I really do. I think he just rubbed people up the wrong way. But we could talk about that, and we have talked about it a lot, haven't we, Alex? But we're still friends. We still talk about stuff. Best of friends. Friends. This follows on from that a little bit, I guess. This is from my mate Carl, who sends this one in. Um, it's not Carl and Grant, is it? This is my mate Carl and Grant Pedley. And he says, what would be more beneficial to us next season? Or to quote him exactly, what will bring us more joy next year? A five-star Grant or a five-star Dean Garner? I know what Alex is going to say. <laughs> Personally, I think, I don't know what a five-star Grant looks like. If this is like people are saying is two-star or one-star, then five-star Grant is Mitrovic style, I think. Um, that's why I think Grant is probably a, a four-star, maybe. he's not. Maybe he's at his five, not a five-star, but maybe he's at that four or five at the moment. So I would go with Dean Garner because we've seen Dean Garner at his best and he is creative. He can cut in. He can bring other players into the game. And I would go Dean Garner a five-star because he's younger. And I think if we were to sell on and he had a five-star season, we could sell him on for quite a lot of money. This is a, a very difficult question. And I, I, I'm, I'm erring on the side of Carl and Grant, to be brutally honest with you. Uh-huh. In, a, in a sense that if we if he can turn out, as Joe said, like a Mitrovic-style player, if we can get, if we can unlock his five-star ability by having a, a creative midfielder in the system, then I really do think he can score 25-plus goals. Which is, you know, if you look at the big teams in the Championship this season, they've they've all got a goal scorer. You've got Solanke at Bournemouth, and you've got Mitrovic at Fulham. And I think we we lack that this season. Yeah, it's interesting that you've gone for Carlin Grant there. I would say Dean Garner. I'd love to see Dean Garner return to the the play that we saw in the first few months of his Slav Bilic season. There was that highlight reel, wasn't there, of Dean Garner playing that was going around on Twitter and whatnot of just some of the things that I kind of I'd, I'd forgotten that he even did that for those first few months when people spoke in hushed tones about the Billich squad and you had Sawyers and you had Pereira and Grady Dean Garner it was Dean Garner who people would put in at the top of that list more often than not it wasn't Pereira it was Dean Garner because he literally was electric every time he got the ball it, it was going to be a chance created for himself, a chance created for someone else. There were goals. He was direct. He was skillful. And if he can ever get back to anything like that, he is one of the most talented players that I think Albion have ever, naturally talented players, I think Albion have ever been in possession of, who's actually ours. I don't know if that's even possible, Carlin Pedley, to get to your question. I don't know if it is possible for Dean Garner to get back to that five star. I think out of the two, what's more likely 
I think Harlan Grant is more likely to step up his grain than Dean Garner. Um, but the one that would bring me the most joy is Grady. Right, next question then. Alex, got any more sound effects for me? As I tear open this, thank you. That'll, that'll really, really um, add to the listener experience right now. Our next question comes in from one of our PAPS biggest listeners, someone that constantly tells us how wonderful and great we are. And that's really all we do this podcast for is for other people to tell us how brilliant our kind of opinions are and whatnot. This comes from Sarah Naylor. She asks, if you could put any of the players in Room 101, who would it be and why? Room 101 was a program that was on when we were kids. I think it's come back recently, but effectively it was for those young listeners who don't know what it is. It was a, a show where you put something that you wanted removed from the face of the earth and you dropped it into this pit that was called Room 101. And from then on, it was as if it never existed. It was blasting into the center of the sun where it would be consumed. So if you could put any of the players into room 101, who would it be and why Sarah Naylor, our biggest fan, asks? It's Frank Skinner who does it, by the way, now. Is it? Of our own, yeah. I mean, he's been doing it for a few years. I would put, and this might rub people the wrong way, I would put Mawat in there because I don't think he has added anything. If someone asked me, a fan came up to me and says, oh, what's uh, Mawat like? Uh, What type of player is? I couldn't answer it. I could say he scores one fantastic goal every 10 games. Used to be able to cross a ball from a corner and put a really good ball in. And he's got a catchphrase when he scores a goal and that's all he has. (laughs) And he wears some terrible hats. But if you're listening, Mawat, yeah, I would still put you in room 101. Unless he can be unlocked and he's used to the Valerian Ishmael way of playing because he played under him for, well, one and a half seasons. Hopefully we can see a better of him next season. But at the moment, I don't know what type of player he is. I don't know what he adds to the team. I think he normally takes away from the team when he's in the uh, in the team. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Mowat. I'm going to say Carlin Grant. I think he's been he's been the player that has grounded my gears and my bones the most this season. Although he's been very productive, he's just really annoyed me. You should have said on the podcast, mate. Could have had a conversation about. <laughs> I know there's a theme. I do like a theme. You know what? When all of these players are listening to this podcast on the way while they're driving like three hours to get home every day, like when they're driving back to like Scotland where they all live and like the outskirts of Paris, they can listen to our hot takes here and be really bitterly disappointed. Concentrate on driving, please. I mean, you got a long way to go yet. We're only like 25 minutes into this podcast. You've still got another four and a half hours to drive, Alex. So keep going, mate. Um, Jamie, you should put some sirens on because whenever I'm driving and I hear the sirens in the music, there's like a, a sudden rush of panic and I'm looking oh, around. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that could panic our, our listeners that aren't Albion players as well, though. So we'll have to see about that. Or put that thing that the speed camera noise makes. Yeah, you like, might have somebody, somebody jumping out the window thinking it's the police. Yeah, we don't want to, like, we don't want any crashes. I don't want blood on my hands because of this podcast. I want, I want to have to go to bed with whispers of We'll just blame it on Sarah. Yeah, actually, Sarah, this is your fault. You're the murderer. I think if I had to put a player in to Room 101, and this isn't about the player itself, it's about what they represent. So mine's not actually about you if you're listening to this, whereas Joe's and Alex's was very much a personal target thing. Mine is Jake Livermore. I think he represents the old 
and I think it's time for the new, the freshness that Steve Bruce has espoused he wants to bring in. And I think Jake Livermore, he's like the totem of the previous incarnation of Albion. He is, he represents Albion when I think people think of Albion in the same way Chris Brunt represented it before that, perhaps, and James Morrison and players like that. And I think if you keep going back, you can have these figureheads that represent a small epoch of time at the club. And Jake Livermore definitely is the one that, in my opinion, last four years, probably. It's his face that I see when I look at those seasons. And I think to move forward, we need to drop Jake Livermore's face into Room 101. Does that answer your question, Sarah? You murderer. The next question, actually, this is going to, as we kind of delve further into the Play Doctor's post bag, Alex, have we got another sound effect? Thank you. What you're listening, what you're listening to there, listeners, <laughs> is the rustling of all of the abundance of letters. There's a bunch of questions that have come in that refer to transfers. We're going to go through them all because if you've taken the time to ask us the question, we're going to answer it. But I might have to combine a few of them. Shay Z Ryan or Shez Ryan asked us through Instagram, what five players should we sign in the summer? He also asked us, do we prefer chicken burgers or beef burgers? Perhaps that's the quickest place to start. Chicken burgers or beef burgers? Beef. Lebeth. Yeah, I'm beef as well. That's a hat trick of beef. That's the title of this episode now, hat trick of beef. I would say I'm not opposed to chicken though. I want to put that on record. I do like uh, a chicken mayo. Le poulet. Oui. So Chez Ryan asked that. I hope that answers your burning question there. We all like beef burgers, but we're all partial to a chicken burger as well. Um, what five players would we sign in the summer? Rob Meyer asked a similar questions. What would be our top three signings from the championship level or lower in this summer's window? And then there's a, another question that we'll come on to in a minute about the free transfers. You've heard the questions there, guys. It's five players or three players, depending on whether you want to answer Ryan or Rob. Uh, you can pick. I'm going to say, like a general term of players, Fulham players, <laughs> as they're promoted. We know they always go on a spending spree when they go to the Premiership. And they've got a lot of players who are out of contract, but I won't mention any of those. But you've got players who are in contract for a year left on their contract. So that I like the look of that Nathaniel Chalabar. Mm. He was like the defensive midfielder. He seemed to be really involved in their play. And then the player, obviously, he's been around for a long time. And I don't believe his age is only 30. He's knockout. That's the player that we were screaming out for this, this season. You know, that the attacking, the flair. Some people like that. There's a load of players in the Fulham team. I wouldn't want to take them all. But there's they've only got a year left on the contract. And knockout and the players like that yeah they'll have big contracts but maybe they will only come for a year i don't think he was in Fulham for that long i think he's always doing like short-term contracts so i'd be looking at teams who have got promoted the players who are on the last years of the contracts i cannot believe anthony knockart is only 30 yeah anthony knockart is not a name i've heard mentioned but i would love a player like him alex do you have one for us yeah so i would go down three avenues the first one Billy Gilmore, I'd look to get him on loan from Chelsea. He's been at Norwich this season. I just think he's a very classy footballer, passing it around and he's got that creative spark. A bit like Phil Foden, a bit younger. The next I would look at re-signing Saido Berahino. I think that would be brilliant. I'd love to see him back at the club. I know he left the club on bad terms. 
but love to see him return and you know prove to everyone that he's a good player. Doug does not like that. Mm. No, he don't like Berahino. <laughs> not happy. Then the final one, I would really love for us to sign like a random Portuguese player or like French player or something like that, mm. like in central midfield. Somebody like a Malumbu or a Jakub. Just somebody who's just like a good character, you know. Somebody who comes in with a, a mentality that I only think you can get in a continental Europe. Somebody who takes football way too serious, like a Gattuso type character. I'd love for somebody to come in like that who's a bit mad. They've got, they've got a bit of a, a streak where they're a bit kind of a football manic. You know, just somebody who's just in love with football. Eat, sleep, dream, repeat. You know, just always thinking about football and performing and winning. It's like a real leader. Alex, I have to say, I totally, I love your suggestions there. I think the Berahino storyline, that kind of narrative arc of his career, if it was unlike being like a Netflix documentary like it would make it has to end with him coming back that's how it would if it was a cinematic thing that's how it would end with him coming back billy gilmore again totally agree quality player you see it when he's playing in scotland even at international level he already at his age just completely controls the pace the the flow the rhythm of a game and like you i'm a sucker for a someone i've never heard of when i was thinking about this exercise there's a couple of positions that stood out to me and i think there are certainly areas all over the pitch you could reinforce at the albion but i think the main one is midfield isn't it and i I think we've already kind of spoken about it at length today and that's the lack of creativity the guy who's making a lot of noise in League One, MK Duns, and their season. I mean, MK Duns, I think I've watched them maybe twice, maybe at least one and a half times this season. They don't have play some good football. And Scott Twine, who plays in their central midfield, he's attracting a lot of tension from bigger clubs than perhaps us, even Premier League clubs. He's got 13 assists, 20 goals. Such good players, only 22. But he's so, just go and watch him on YouTube. So accomplished on the ball, set pieces. He's literally got it all, pulling the strings. That exact player that we're saying that we want, he seems to be doing. Now, I appreciate it's a, it could be a step up, but I think that's the kind of player I would want. I think the other player that I stood out to me, just in terms of, I don't even know how good he was, but he just stood out in terms of the way he was approaching playing the game that was so antithetical to what we were trying to do as a team. And that was Josh Bowler from Blackpool. I think I probably unfairly said he was a little bit of a Jack Grealish wannabe, but I think the reason that the Jack Grealish comparison comes up for me isn't just because he's got the floppy hair and girthy calves, but the willingness to pick up the ball and progress it via dribbling. Like, it's all well and good having players that are capable of incise passing play, but there is nothing sweeter than watching a player who can pick up the ball and dribble past players. And and he did that numerous times and he looked so dangerous against us. And, you know, that's a player there who Blackpool and MK Dons, I don't know how much money they're going to cost, but I'm not sure you're going to have to move heaven and earth to sign those two players. The last one would be to get a defensive midfielder and I couldn't help but look it up and see what Yukushu was up to. 
I mean, apart from his little loan at us, his career seems to have really faltered, and I cannot for the life of me understand why he's faltered the way it has. I think out of all of the players that we had on loan last season, Conor Gallagher, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Diang, even Pereira, I think the player that impressed me more than anyone else was Okay Yukushu. I've never seen a more composed, stylish defensive midfielder in my life. I think, like, he is, like what we wanted Malumbu to be when we think about Malumbu. He's what Jakob we want him to be. He was that with the technical proficiency, all of the aggression, all of the ball winning skills, plus the ability to distribute the ball. He was press resistant. He was all of these like top quality attributes were like just a part of his natural game. And he's gone back to Celta after being on loan on us. He's been at Getafe on loan this season. He's played three times which blows my mind that his career is kind of, is where it is. So if we could get him back, that would shore up our midfield woes for a championship season, I'm certain. When you mentioned the midfield, the attacking midfielder, Jamie, I thought we're crying out for a player like Jason Kumas, Graham Dorans, that kind of ilka player, you know, that's got that skill on the ball and Mm -hmm. that creativity. And also you mentioned that we need that Jakub and Malumbu. So I don't know why, if I was the Albion scouting network, I would be looking for players in that mould, that template. I think it just, it says what we've all been saying perhaps since October, the midfield needs completely overhauling. I know everyone's saying about the, Steve Bruce has said about the squad, uh, Joe Massey's reported on that, but it is the midfield is where it all begins. And I think, like you said, Alex, it's that spine, isn't it? The kind of shape, everything about what next season looks like. I totally agree with the shout about Scott Twine. I saw it on Twitter. Some journalist for uh, Athletic was jumping up and down about his free kick on uh, the last game of the season, League One, and it was brilliant. It was just just outside the box where you can't get it up and over, where everyone says it's too hard to get up. He does it and it's straight in goalkeepers doesn't move and it's a great free kick so yeah having someone of that ilk in our team hopefully he could make the step up but with those statistics he should make the step up i think he'll be a force to reckon with in the championship I really do right well i guess following on pretty naturally from the conversation around transfers players we'd like to sign is like almost like a follow-up to that that plenty of people have asked us and that's the, the free agent market free transfers Dtudgy, who's a, a fan favorite with his twitter videos and his expressing star contributions ed dot underscore dot f and tom from baggy's bulletin have all asked us questions that are themed around the free transfer market which free transfers would you guys like to see us with and tom's from baggy's bulletin is of the players that have been linked with us, who do you most fancy? I think the ones predominantly at the moment are free transfers or players out of contract. Perhaps if I go first and cover the two Blackburn free agents that we've been linked with, obviously there was a bit of a conversation anyway about Blackburn and free agents because of Tony Mowbray. But there are two players that have kind of been tagged by a lot of Albion fans and apparently there are links to them. Joe Rothwell is a progressive ball carrier. I'm taking this from Albion Analytics, uh, the Twitter page. They also do a podcast that Honestly, I love listening to Chris and Pete. Really good podcast. He's a ball carrier, Joe Rothwell. Apparently, according to Albion Analytics, second highest ball carries 
progressive carries in the league and his progressive passing accuracy is really high as well. He scores more goals than you'd expect per shot and Dara Lenahan is a centre-back that also plays for Blackburn and according to the analytics provided by Albion Analytics, he is the second best all-round championship centre-back. Strong in the air, lots of interceptions, a goal threat and also moves the ball forward. So although we're not crying out for players at the centre of the defensive line, I guess with the potential for a few of them to be moved on, with Dara Shea and Semi Ajayi seemingly forming a core of players that Steve Bruce is willing to retain. This Lenahan sounds good, but Rothwell excites me much more, I've got to be honest, if these metrics are to be translatable into Albion. Can I ask, do you know the reason why Blackburn haven't offered them a new contract? I do, but I cannot disclose because it would breach the confidences of my contact with these players. With the Venkies? With the Venkies, yeah. <laughs> it does It does involve Space Jam, like aliens again though, and the ability to steal athletic powers for competitions in space. But I can't, I'm really, I've already said too much, to be honest. I think, Alex, I think listening to the price of football, Blackburn lose a lot of money every month and loads of money so I think they're going to have to restart again basically and I think with uh, Tony Mowbray leaving as well I think a lot of the players will leave as well so they won't offer them and they'll start again put a bet on them going down next season maybe me and Joe right. just spouting off all the other podcasts we listen to rather than this one <laughs> yeah no, Price of Football is a very, very good podcast. It is indeed. Right, let me give you some other... The big names out there that people have kind of circled and highlighted and drawn red lines underneath and all the other ways you make things stand out as text. John Swift from Reading has enjoyed an unbelievably prolific season from for a midfielder. Jed Wallace is the other one who's finishing up his contract at Millwall again really brilliantly talented creative presence in the midfield for Millwall kind of more or less responsible for all of their individual creative brilliance over the past few years both players have stood out this season but I think particularly Jed Wallace for me whenever Albion have played Millwall it's just been a thorn in our side both players out of contract and rumours that there's plenty of people who will be sniffing around like sharks smelling blood in the sea teeth gnashing frenzied do either of these players interest you both do you think it's realistic to say that Albin will be in for these players what what just tell me your thoughts and feelings for me i'd be going for john swift over jed wallace i don't think we'll get both jed wallace was an old dingle so i'm more likely to go for john swift and john swift has had a better season than jed wallace even though jed wallace is a quality player as well so either or they're, they're both really good players they will add something to our team and going back to the blackburn players yeah any of those as well i think all four of those would add something to the squad depth and to the starting lineup i believe they all sound like good players to me. I just echo what Joe said, really. I'm going to throw a few names out there. What I've looked up on transfermarket.com. I think he's already been touted a few times. His link with Steve Bruce, Sean Longstaff. I didn't believe... He's 24 years old. I yeah, thought he was about 30. 
I think he would add something to the team. I think he's got a bit of class. I think he's got a bit of calmness about him, you know, when he's on the ball. And I think that's what we lack. Every time we get the ball this season, we look like straight away we need to turn around and pass it back to the centre-backs. The centre-backs look the most careful on the ball and have more time on it. And there's a few other players out there. Obviously, Ben Berriton, he's got an option on himself to extend his contract by year. Obviously, like Alex said, we don't want to be picking up all these players, but Ben Berriton again had a great season. There's some other players from the Premiership, maybe probably wouldn't drop down to us. Jack Stevens from Southampton, centre-back, quality player, but I think he will be in the Premiership. Pascal Gross, 30-year-old for Brighton, great player. Maybe he might go back abroad, but if he's happy to stay in the UK and he doesn't mind a drop-down, I'd be going there. And you've got other people like Schlupp. I think we've been linked with him before in the past. Uh, winger, maybe we don't need that. And a Wolves player, Romain uh, Saiz. I don't think he'll be coming to the Albion because I, I think he starts for them in the first team in the Premiership. But yeah, there's a there's a load out there. And, and Isco, Isco's out there. So yeah, that makes sense. I can see he'd fit in between like Jason Malumby and Jake Livermore. Perhaps might be able to stave off Alex Moet's threat. Sorry, I forgot, Alex, you're still listening, aren't you? You've still got another hour and a half left before you get home. So he'll still be listening to the podcast. So keep concentrating. To be fair, out of all of those ones that you've named now, I think Ben Berriton Diaz is obviously attracting like big time attention from premiership clubs. The rest of them. I feel like they are very talented football, Saeed, Schlupp, Gross, Stevens, but they also have that journeyman vibe to them now. And I feel like, I think one of the things that stood out is the age of our squad is quite high, isn't it, in terms of average age of squad? And I think this there has to be a concerted effort in this transfer window to bring the average age of the team down. I think Steve Bruce likes experienced players, so that slightly worries me. And it always concerns me when, and I think you said this, Joe, about Valerian Ishmael, when a manager can only work with players he's worked with before. I find that really frustrating when we're linked now to players like Longstaff, Dwight Gale, and other players even from Newcastle that we've been linked to. And it's, I don't know whether it's just like lazy journalism and kind of clickbait transfer stories, but also at the same time, I kind of understand that Steve Bruce perhaps has a level of player and a kind of style and type of player that probably quite happy to work with. So out of all those players, I think the ones that excite me most are the Rothwell, Wallace and Swift. And I think probably out of all of them, they're the most realistic but I only think it'd be one of them but I'd like two of them but I think it's more than likely it'll only be one of them let's move on so I hope that answers your question there DTG and Ed F and Tom I hope that you, you got a sense of where we all lie there I think we basically are just happy to settle for Isco there's been a number of questions as well come in about a similar storyline this was one that's emerged over the last couple of days maybe even yesterday when steve bruce was speaking about the squad and the rebuilding of the squad this summer and talking about strikers obviously since we've last on the podcast andy carroll has been effectively released now and he won't be playing for west brom again despite being a good servant and i think i understand the reasoning why andy carroll was released it it makes sense i guess in terms of going forward it's not necessarily 
necessarily how you want to build the team. He certainly changed the way we play. So Depay, his effort and his willingness to bleed for the shirt, I think I understand why he's been moved on. But then the conversation was about the strikers that remain at the club. And Steve Bruce really interestingly kind of singled out Daryl DK, which is obvious. Clubs made a significant investment in him. Young, talented player that hopefully will lead the line for many years to come. But then also Kenneth Zahore, which kind of blew my mind completely. I think Kenneth Zahore is one of those players that a lot of people had dead and buried in terms of their Albion career. A lot of people in terms of his professional football career signed for a massive amount of money on decent wages, but has never shown any indication as to why either of those things were the case. But a few people have asked us questions. Ward.RT and WBART have both asked us similar questions. Bruce's clear out incredibly includes keeping Zahore. Do you trust Bruce? And WBART said, if Zahore couldn't convince three managers before of his quality, why is Bruce any different? How can Zahore get an opportunity to impress when the youth get overlooked? Why is he still here. What do you guys make of all of this noise around Kenneth Zahore and Steve Bruce's comments? It's quite confusing because if Zahor had another two years, I think he's got one year left on his contract to 2023, you'd understand that they want to bleed him back into the squad to maybe get some money, his value up. But it doesn't make sense. There's got to be something. Maybe they're trying to build up some interest in Zahor, saying he's in, you know, he's in the squad next season. But he's not seen any first-team football for so long. It's my conspiracy that they're trying to get his name out there, so people think, oh, we can get him on the cheap, and we'll probably sell him for cheap. I just don't understand how he could be in the plans for next season, unless Daryl DK has become best friends with him, you know, when he's been injured, and they've really had a good rapport, and they've just been smashing it in training. Can you hear that? It's yeah, a <laughs> I just think it's much to do about nothing. I don't think there's any chance of Zahore coming back into our team at the Albion. If I was the Albion, I'd just write off the money. Well said, Alex, there in the intervals between the dogs snoring. You did well there, mates. Yeah, I think the thing for me about Zahore isn't so much Zahore himself. I don't care if players get given a second chance. I really don't. I mean, I think he's proven what he is. I don't think that he's suddenly going to turn into some Romelu Lukaku impersonator overnight. I think we very much established what his ability is and how limited he is in that respect. Um, And like WBART rightly points out in Hysteria is that there's other managers that have looked at this bloke and quite comfortably written him off. So I don't understand what Steve Bruce is trying to do. I agree with Joe, there's a potential obviously that they might be doing this in the media to drum up some interest in Kenneth Sahore. Like, oh, we still want him, like come get him. Like a little bit of shop window stuff. But the part that confused me and made my brain ache about this whole storyline was For a manager to come out and say he's desperate to overhaul the whole squad, that the thing that Albion fans want and need and kind of deserve is a freshness about the team, particularly to kind of be a sorbet and palate cleanser for what this season has been. But then in the next press release, you're talking about Zahore, who's not just a player who embodies kind of a failed era of Albion. He's probably like the most glaring example of a player who just doesn't cut the mustard for 
virtually anyone the fans at least Carl and Grant splits opinions Kenneth Zahore has unanimously been written off and it just seems to be in total tension to the idea of this newness this freshness to then put Kenneth Zahore at the heart of it all well I hope that answers those questions Right, so that's we've we've done a lot of uh, mail questions there. I think we've answered a question from everyone there. I'll answer one for you, WBART. Uh, lastly, here there was a question about the Pereira money um, and our competitive budget. That was from Ward RT again, and I, I think the answer to that is no one knows what happened to that money. It's probably resting in a bank account somewhere um, in the eco village. Exactly, in Palm Eco Village. Um, but knowing the way Albion structured transfer deals, there's probably we've probably had very little of it anyway. It's probably like I think it was an undisclosed fee to begin with, and it's we've probably received probably about a happy meal's worth so far of it. But it certainly wasn't the competitive budget that we were all promised. Competitive with I don't know who, like the primary school team. I really don't know. And to answer your question. WBART, what will bring me back to the Hawthorns next year? I think I've said this on the podcast previously. Obviously, I take my son up to the Albion with me. I'll be taking both of my sons next season because I feel like supporting Albion is character building. So effectively, the only thing that's bringing me back to the Albion next season is I will use them as a parenting tool to develop perseverance and determination and to teach my children that life is cruel and unfair a lot of the time. And sometimes it's about gritting your teeth and bearing it. And I think West Bromwich Albion perform that function beautifully. So yes, that's why I'll be going back next year. Right, let's quickly get through the news. Great news that has kind of broken while we've been recording the podcast tonight, that Albion's under-23s are now through to the final of the Cup. Beat Fulham today, Caleb Taylor and Mo Fall scoring the goals that saw them win 2-1. There's some lovely pictures already circulating around on Instagram of them celebrating in the dressing room. But the whole thing was supervised by Steve Bruce, who um, cast his eye over these young talent. I'm glad that Mo Fall got his goal because for all of the talk about Jova, Malcolm and Reyes Cleary who are talented the bloke that stood out to me and I've said it before and I said it again against Arsenal when he came on my file looked he just looked like a different kind of player he he really did embody some of those characteristics that I imagine Daryl DK is in possession of just wanted to give a shout out to Albion Analytics podcast as well because I've only recently just got on to listen to their podcast I think it is a relatively new podcast I think it started sometime beginning of this year but it's really really good I think if you're interested in kind of the data and statistics side of the game especially with a focus on Albion it's brilliant podcast and um, I'm really enjoying it so yeah go and check them out as well we're not afraid to recommend other podcasts to you guys. And while you're on your podcast app, I think we've already said it, but we're, we're really kind of trying to bolster where we come when you search for West Brom podcasts. And one of the metrics that Spotify and Apple podcasts use is the number of reviews that are left. So if you are happy with what you're listening to, even if you're unhappy with it, listen to force yourself, lie to yourself and give us a five star review. Right, final game of the season. It's the last time we get to do this for this season, this nothing game that'll be taking place at 12.30 on Saturday. What do you think the result of this nothing game will be? 5-5. Five, five. 
Yeah, I don't think Barnsley have scored more than two goals in the game this season or something like that stupid. But yeah, um, I'm going to go Grant for and um, Zach Ashworth to get one as well. Oh, nice, nice. Dean Garner hat-trick. Barnsley are bottom of the league, aren't they? So if we don't win this with a good margin, it says it all really, doesn't it? Mm, let me just have a look. Yeah, bottom of the table, Barnsley. Middle of the table, Albion. Probably be 1-0. don't know. Carlin Grant. Not very exciting. Don't expect it to be. Expect there'll be hopefully a nice atmosphere in the ground. But yeah, apart from that, I think it'll be everything that we're expecting. It'll be a little bit of a, a nothingness, maybe a chance to blood some more youngsters. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, been a lovely penultimate episode of the season. You guys enjoyed it? Yeah, somewhat. it's been good. Somewhat. I like the questions. I like the collaboration with the fans. That's good. That is very good, Joe. Well done. Uh, and thank you if you did send in a, a question. Hopefully we answered it satisfactorily. If you don't feel like we answered it satisfactorily, um, well, tough, really. That's just what it is. But on that harsh, unnecessary note, let me say a huge thank you to Joe. Oh, thank you. Oh, <laughs> I've mixed up the order. Oh, no. I haven't forgot you, Alex. I've just mixed it up. A huge thank you to Alex. Cheers. And thank you to you, dear listeners, for listening. See you next week. Sweet dream.